0: Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm glad to welcome back Maddie Trivitz for a conversation about Psalm 19. We talk about this particularly gorgeous psalm, we talk about what it means to delight in the law of the Lord. And Maddie helps us think about how this psalm can help us approach prayer in a more simple rather than complex way. So here we go, let's get started. Here's Maddie reading Psalm 19.
1: The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
0: Maddie, welcome back to Curious Psalms.
1: Thank you. It's such a joy and a gift to be here with you and to be in such esteemed company with all who have come before
0: me. I was about to say, wow, (laughs) it is both a joy to be with me and I am esteemed company. Of course. (laughs) Really laying it on thick. Thanks for reading Psalm 19. I love this psalm. So I'm excited to talk with you about it. Shall we dive right in? Me
1: too. Yeah, that sounds great.
0: Well, Maddie, our first question remains the same. What stood out to you in reading this psalm?
1: Yeah, like you said, I mean, this is just a gorgeous psalm. I think it just evokes so much in us of the glory of God. What particularly stuck out, I think, for me was the first six verses and especially kind of part B of verse 4 into verse 6, which I'll just read because I think it's such a beautiful picture. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. And it just reminded me of that feeling you get when you see a sunrise or a sunset and how this is just a universally beautiful experience, Mm -hmm. sort of no matter who you are or where you are or your context or your circumstances, there's just something really beautiful about a sunset or a sunrise and really just about creation in general that speaks to the glory of God. And so I, I really just loved the imagery In the beginning of the psalm. And that the voice of creation, that creation speaks and testifies so clearly to the handiwork of God and the glory of God. I think, like, all that's one of my favorite things about the Old Testament is just all of the ways that creation is used to sort of participate in worship. And we also see it, I think, too, participating in even blessing and judgment in in other passages. But like creation, the skies and the trees and the animals, this is not sort of secondary to who God Mm. is. It's fully a part of God's glory and and fully participating in worship to God, which I think is just a good reminder for me, at least. Something I often forget about.
0: In Psalm 18, the last Psalm that we looked at, yeah, there was the imagery of God's appearance of his coming is also so rooted in creation. The ground is quaking and Mm -hmm. a thunderstorm is being depicted. The ways that the natural world helps us understand and envision and deepen in our understanding of who God is. Yeah, is all throughout the Psalms. And certainly, I think, like you said, Mm -hmm. the Old Testament and the New Testament for that matter, in fact, Mm -hmm. right? The idea of all creation groaning, as Paul Mm -hmm. would put it. Helps us remember that it's bigger than us. I was drawn to these opening verses too. The word that came to mind was this psalm feels really chewy to me, hmm. which I should explain Say what Say more. I mean. no. <laughs> yeah. I think it flowed out of, you know, verse 14 concludes with, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And the word haga, which is the Hebrew word that's translated uh, meditation or meditate is the verb is this kind of muttering, this constant muttering sound. So it's like you're saying it over and over. And then our English word ruminate, this is where the chewiness comes in. Just just wait. The English word ruminate actually comes from uh, the root of chewing. So to mm. ruminate on something, to meditate using this Hebrew is to kind of mutter it to yourself. If we talk about ruminating on something, kind of moving it over and over, it's literally kind of to chew on it. But anyway, I just thought the opening... The ways I've moved past this so frequently and so quickly, but verse two and three, day after day, they pour forth speech. So these are the heavens and the skies. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Okay. They pour forth speech. That's verse two. Verse three, they have no speech. (laughs) They pour forth speech. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Verse four. Their voice goes out into (laughs) all the earth. Their words. Hold on. Verse 3, they use no words. Verse 4, their words to the ends of the world. To me, that is just the perfect, chewy... You have to read it over and over. The psalm forces you to slow down if you Mm -hmm. start to read it carefully. And you have to begin to ask, okay, what kind of words are these? Wait, they have no words. (laughs) What kind of speech is this? Wait, they have no speech. And it's kind of a back and forth that i think we move through and this is the beauty of poetry is it slows us down and it forces us to chew on this to not just sort of slap theological labels on it and say oh what's going on here is you know this kind of revelation and what's going on here but instead no 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 start to actually think about what you see what you witness what you experience in as you were saying a sunrise what do you actually see what do you experience in a sunset how is that being evoked here how does that tell us something about God? So I just think it is perfectly chewy. It's the perfect kind of granola bar chewiness here in Psalm 19.
1: I think it prompts us, too, to to consider the ways that creation and God's handiwork might be communicating with us, too. You referenced all creation groaning. And Um, I do think that creation is a part of the way that we can interact and experience who God is and that creation reveals to us parts of God's character that we might miss in sort of like our, our heady theological, you know, readings of scripture. There's also a type of worship and even a type of theology that's done in creation with, with the ground mm-hmm. and, and under the sky and sort of outdoors. And I think that's been a gift of outdoor worship too. Just to mm. tack that on, that it's a gift to see, you know, hawks flying overhead and, and geese in the fields behind us. But just <laughs> to be, to experience God in that way, we don't have to be yeah. doing hard biblical study to experience all of the parts of God that are there. Mm. And this psalm, I think, redirects us to that, that we can experience the glory of God, yes, in the law, but also in creation. And the both of those things are are important and to be held together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even talk about the chewiness of kind of verses 7 through (laughs) 10. But I I want to reflect more on that section as we think about our next question. I don't know where you're going to take us. So let me give you first word, though. What do we learn about God from this psalm?
1: Well, I do think it'll take us to kind of the second half, this 7 yeah, nice. through 10. So I think like we've alluded to that this psalm reveals God's glory through both creation and law. And so we've talked about the creation piece. But then in thinking about God's law and the word of God, I just kind of wrote down some of the words that stuck out to me in reading through yeah. these verses. Because I th- I think it speaks to who God is and, and what we learn about God here. So I'll just read them. So we see warmth and joy, light and radiance, righteousness, sweetness, trustworthiness, simplicity, and even a purity. I think all of those things, all of those words point us to learn new things or to be reminded good things about who God is.
0: Mm. I want to pause and just do a quick sidebar here, because that was so beautiful, Maddie. And I think it's such a beautiful example to even just draw those out. I think that's such a helpful tool for listeners to think about as they're engaging with psalms. You know, we kind of engage with a pretty intellectual exercise here of kind of thinking deeply and trying to read carefully the psalms and then in conversation with each other. We use lots of words to Mm -hmm. talk about the psalms. But sometimes one of the gifts is to pause and recognize what words is the spirit drawing me to? in this psalm and to actually sort of scrape away some of the words that tend to come up and see okay what what is it in warmth what is it in simplicity that is drawing me in that god might have for me in this psalm so mm-hmm. thanks for embodying that practice for us i want to reflect and i want you to help shape this because this goes to the chewiness of the psalm is i'm trying to work out and put words to this and i've taken a couple stabs at it and i don't know that i'm quite there I'm really fascinated by, as you were saying, this putting together of creation and law in this psalm, and I feel like there's a tendency, maybe this is just within myself, but I'm going to think that maybe it comes from somewhere else, too, to pit those in opposition, as if Mm -hmm. the, the image of creation is of wildness and freedom and joy, and a sort of majesty, and then the law of the Lord, or the word of God, or the instruction that we receive is a life of restriction and piety, maybe with an emphasis on its dourness, right? It's a list of things you don't do, and I think both you and I would disagree with that presentation. I'm not arguing for that as kind of a framework, but I just find it so interesting and so helpful that this psalm, I think, might be explicitly... Tackling some of that. The fact that it moves from the joy of the sun, right? The sun goes like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It's wedding day, and here comes the sun. Every day is like a wedding day for the sun. It's just super exciting. And then the very next thing we're going to start talking about is the law. I think it pushes on us that these things are united, they are revealing the same things about God. I don't know if that's making sense, but I was really struck by a non-transition there mm-hmm. from verse 6 to verse 7 and how that helps us think about kind of the word and the law and how then we approach it. I think is very mm-hmm. different. If we are thinking of approaching God's law and God's word with the excitement of a wedding day <laughs> is mm-hmm. is are really a, different I think than sort of the over <laughs> seriousness with mm-hmm. which we approach scripture. What do you think? Is that making sense? Am I going am I you know, going into shadowy places here that aren't helpful.
1: No, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I can, I definitely can relate to what you're saying. I took a course my last in-person semester at Princeton that was theology of order and chaos. And Mm. I reference this class a lot because the past 12 months has been really chaotic But it also took place on what we called the Farminary, which was basically a small piece of land that the seminary owned that they turned into a farm. I think that there's just just what you're saying, that there's this connectedness between the law of the Lord, which I think could point to how we treat the land as well, as the way that we witness sort of flourishing and freedom that we can experience Mm -hmm. when we find ourselves in the law of the Lord as well, so the word even the words that are used in verses seven through ten, like the yeah. law is refreshing, it's radiant, like right again with the warmth. Even that it's precious like gold, it's sweeter than honey. So many of these words, I think, evoke creation itself, and re- like we think refreshing. Oh, like a stream. Yeah, we think sweet like honey you know bees Mm -hmm. and and agriculture and life and all and warmth and sun and all these things so i yeah i just i think you're exactly right that these two things should be held together that they're not to be thought of as two distinct maybe ways of worshiping or ways of engaging or even that sort of the order and chaos are diametrically opposed in some way but that they work together through creation
0: Another way to put this, and I think this is me pushing on some of my religious baggage as well, is to say something like following God's law is the most natural thing for us to do or following Jesus Mm -hmm. is the most natural thing for us to do. That is counter to a lot of my usual language, I think, where I'm constantly (laughs) talking about how unnatural the way of Jesus is or how it pushes back against our culture. And I think what, what that kind of emphasis of looking at the unnatural ways that God calls us to live is often acknowledging the significance and the ways that sin and brokenness works its way into our world. But this psalm reminds me that, in fact, the most natural way for us to live and flourish is, in fact, with the very boundaries that God establishes. Mm -hmm. and creation then provides us an image of this Mm -hmm. creation that doesn't need additional instruction (laughs) from god it just sort of does its joyful beautiful every morning every evening thing i need to kind of constantly remind myself of that that in fact the most natural thing for me the place in other words where i'm going to flourish the most and when i am uh, most fully alive or most fully human is in fact when I'm going to be inhabiting this space of following the law. And this Mm -hmm. psalm, I think, really reminded me of that. It pushed me in those ways. So that's, I mean, I guess the question is, what do we learn about God? In some ways, I'm reflecting as much on myself, but that's the beauty also of as we reflect on God, then we learn about Mm -hmm. ourselves, right? So anyway. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I think just to echo that, like verse 8 especially, that the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands Mm -hmm. of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Joy in your heart and light in your eyes. like That is an image of a human being who is flourishing. And that doesn't always need to be the case. And it probably won't always be the case. But, But you're right. That's the life that God invites us into. And that delighting in the Lord and delighting in the law of the Lord welcomes us into that. A freedom that looks like that, not constrictive sort of rules that you yeah. can't do things.
0: It's just a, such a sad thing that, and this is me reflecting on my own formation and not imposing that on anyone else, but the ways <laughs> that I have heard this and received this, right, so not even necessarily what pastors or people were saying, but the ways that I've received this are such that delighting in the law of the Lord almost feels counterintuitive or like an oxymoron. Like, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. And some my teen, I think, was just kind of yelling at me to both reflect on that and like no this is a source of joy and delight well
1: i can also just say that i can relate to that that feeling of your spiritual sort of baggage maybe and had a very similar moment i think after graduating from college and i experienced like a ton of guilt all the time of like i'm not doing the right things i'm not spending enough time with the lord i'm not evangelizing all the time. There was so much guilt yeah. that I associated with the law of the Lord and had sort of a small revelation with God sitting under a tree that summer where it was, I was just reading a Psalm and now I can't remember which one, but the line that that encouraged you to delight in the law of the Lord mm-hmm. was in there. and I yeah. And I thought I had to think really hard. What does it mean to delight in the life that God calls me to and to leave behind sort of the guilt and the shame of... I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not being enough. But that God is calling me to delight in in who God is is a really beautiful mm. invitation. And yeah. and makes simple the wise to echo Psalm 19. Like You're it doesn't need to be that hard.
0: Basically, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the end.
0: My life is just one journey of making things hard that should be simple. <laughs> Speaking of, how does this Psalm help us to pray?
1: Yes. I think we've been actually speaking about what I had written down here at least. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Ultimately, I kind of think that Psalm 19 reminds us that all of life can be an act of prayer. If we look Mm. at prayer sort of the way that I think Psalm 19 sets it up. So we've talked a lot about 1 through 10, and then we look back at 11, 11 through 14, And this is sort of the psalmist's response to the glory of God. And so I think here in the psalmist's response, we see, of course, you know, we're going to have hidden faults. We're going to have sins that we will and temptations that we fall into and and things that we just unknowingly do that, that are harmful to God and harmful to others. But that prayer is... Prayer is all of this. And and like you said, the meditation piece, the words of our mouth, and then also the meditations of our mm. heart. All of this is yeah. worship and all of this is prayer. And so prayer doesn't have to just be words. It can be a silent experience in nature, witnessing the glory of God. It can be mm-hmm. a meditation of the heart that is just simply chewing on certain pieces of scripture and receiving that refreshment that I think God, the law of the Lord brings us. Mm. And, and even that I I referenced this a little bit ago, but that prayer is an exercise in making wise the simple, like, again, prayer doesn't have to be lengthy and eloquent, and it can be and there's a beautiful place for that. But it's also, perhaps just experiencing the sweetness of God's presence in all things.
0: Mm. That ties in really beautifully with what I was thinking. The language about hidden faults Mm -hmm. made me think of Luke 11 when the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, Because there's a sense there in which sort of, I mean, there's a question who the faults are hidden from. Are they hidden from others or are they hidden from the psalmist Mm. themselves? And I think, you know, if we think about them in terms of hidden from the psalmist themselves, I think there's a real invitation here to God... Not only forgive me, but actually help me kind of do this exploring work of myself that I might turn it over to you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, here I come. I bring my meditation, but I also can't pray without you. And I think as you're talking about the simplicity of prayer, there's a freedom also to knowing we do not pray on our own strength, but we pray in dependence on God leading and nudging us. I think that is actually a simplifying of our prayer life, like you're saying, rather than making it more complex to realize we're dependent on God. Well, Maddie, we've done it.
1: I don't have any more else to say. I think this has been wonderful. At least for me, it's been refreshing to me. It really, it truly is. It's such a gift to reflect on these Psalms and to hear other people reflecting. So... If this okay. is your first episode, go back and listen to the other ones because Oh, awesome. I like that.
0: <laughs> little plug, little plug. Well, friends, verse 14 is about as good a place as you can conclude a podcast. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms.